Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And today we have a very special guest. Her name is Ashley Elsner, and she's coming to us from the other coast because we start our programming here on the East Coast. She's on the West Coast, but her journey to the West Coast is very interesting. It's a great story. And she has a new company that she's bringing to market that I am fascinated by because even in the elevator pitch alone, I understand that Artery Pay is a Venmo for cannabis. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the show and tell us about Artery Pay and how you came up with this idea. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for having me on In the Weeds. You know, honestly, like, it's such a great show. I really appreciate what you're doing over over on the East Coast um, in order to spread the word about cannabis and the cannabis industry and actually the professionalism that people are trying to bring to the industry, as well as, you know, really wonderful, wonderful medicine for people who are, you know, really need it. So um, Artery Pay is exactly what you said. It's Venmo for cannabis. So it's completely legal payment processing that is done um, via ACH, so no card processing. You just frankly link your bank account just like you would with any digital wallet and um, you're good to go and you can pay for cannabis right there. And, um, and yeah, no, no, I'm gonna say, you said the word legal, so I'm going to actually give you another uh, kudo here because you are a, you graduated law school, right? I did, yes. Yeah. Um, I got my JD MBA from Northwestern Law and Kellogg um, School of Management. Those are out in uh, Chicago and Evanston. Um, shout out to to my Wildcats. <laughs> I'm friendly. I like Northwestern. I I have dear friends there, and in fact, one of my my I don't want to call him a protege, but certainly someone who's a friend of the family, someone who came through my on camera training, won a college Emmy award from Northwestern University, and is they now are in amazing journalism program. They are yeah. absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. And now he's in Hollywood looking to create his own show and we might even be airing it. But that's another story. But you also did some undergrad work and got an undergrad degree from some school in Connecticut that uh, is kind of like it's kind of like Harvard, but it's not right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I am a Yaley. I'm an Eli. Um, I'm Bulldog. Whoop, whoop. And, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> and I mean, you've had a ton of schooling. So obviously you have a pretty good background on what it takes to actually bring a product to market and a service to market in this particular case and also a product. But as you know, in the cannabis industry, there's all sorts of regulations. And yeah. you mentioned that it, you must have gone through a legal discovery process on how best to do this. Yes? That's right. Um, so actually, my background is financial law and uh, financial institution operations. Um, so, um, you know, I started with Sidley Austin doing financial regulatory work. Um, that was actually right out of Yale. Um, and then I was at Bessemer Venture Partners um, doing legal and operations. Um, my, <clears throat> one of my co-founders has decided to join me now. This is Keanu. <laughs> Corporate culture. I understand. And we understand the importance of having com camaraderie and a pet camaraderie during this difficult time when everybody's meeting on Zoom and doing business on Zoom. And, it, you know, it's a total virtual normal that we're getting used to now, I guess. Right. Yeah. He loves to bomb my interviews. Actually, it was very funny. I was on the phone with um, a potential investor last night and uh, their their kids started jumping on the couch behind them. Um, and they, of course, quickly, you know, like turned it off. And I was actually sitting there giggling because it's it's kind of refreshing and nice to see people in their in their own element and in a, in a more personal space rather than, you know, professional. We keep everything professional. You know, we're very, very um, 
uh, I mean, of course, we're, we're engaged with one another, but it's, it's you know, very it's, matter of fact, very to the point. And you don't necessarily see people's humanity. And I actually kind of have enjoyed um, some of the Zoom conferencing as a result of that, because you get to see people's people's humanity come out. Well, there you go. And, and just for the record, for our audience, our first meeting was not on Zoom. It was actually the old-fashioned way on a phone call, right? Old-fashioned phone call. Good old-fashioned high touch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we met through our mutual friends from the uh, Emerald Media Group, too. And I want to give uh, them a big shout-out, to too. Gina and Jill, yeah. <laughs> wonderful, the, wonderful ladies. They do, they do a great job, and we're about to take their productions to a whole new level. And I think they're very excited about the uh, partnership that we're forming. But let's go back to the product. Let's go yeah. back to fighting that stigma legal. that is out there and all the legalese that you had to uncover and discover in order to create this great Venmo for cannabis. Mm -hmm. So my background really being um, financial law, um, financial regulation, um, really being very comfortable with the state-based um, the state-based approach to regulation and that really being where I kind of cut my teeth um, was in you know state-based uh, state-based financial law. Um, that being where I cut my teeth, like this was actually not uh, very complicated for me. So when I, I looked through the, the legislation, you know, realistically, you can provide legal service, legal banking, legal financial products to this, this space, but it's very complicated because you still, FinTech, when it comes down to it, is technology-enabled finance. It is finance. It is not tech. Um, there are rules. There are regulations that are in space, in place, and you have to follow them in order to actually be able to provide the services that you want. And when you start talking with banks about these things, um, they they have a longer discovery. Uh, when you're asking them to do a new product, they have to go through a pretty substantial risk management um, exercise in mm -hmm. seeing how it is that they're going to be able to do that and see whether it's actually operationally possible based on their current capabilities to be able to support this space. And one of the things that we actually found was uh, that on the compliance side, while it's perfectly legal to provide it in a certain way, to provide products in a certain way, you can't cross state lines. You um, have to be really careful about the onboarding process because you have to do enhanced due diligence on all of the, on all of the um, businesses and all of the customers. Um, and then when you get to the actual transactions, there's additional financial reporting that's required. Um, so when you start talking about um, regulations with FinCEN, as well as um, Cole Memo, which uh, while while rescinded by the Department of Justice has continued to um, give a framework for what uh, banks view as important criteria for making sure that their operations are run legitimately. And it, it's a pretty good framework, actually, if you start thinking about it. So, um, But the other thing about it is you have to report every single transaction to FinCEN um, as a su suspicious activity. And that's a huge overload on a compliance team that is doing most of these processes on a manual basis. And so we actually went ahead and built a lot of that into our transaction system so that you have the compliance side and the transaction unified. And so when we were taking these to banks to actually talk with them about our process, they uh, not only loved the wallet and loved that we were showing proof that we were in fact doing things legitimately, which, you know, FinTech has gotten a pretty bad reputation since, you know, all of the, the um, uh, what do you call it, uh, initial coin offering, uh, you know, illegal securities behavior, um, you know, people running off with other people's money and, and pretending like they were actually raising funds when really they were just kind of fraudsters, um, mm -hmm. cooking of books that happened with Wirecard. I mean, like, there's been there's been a whole lot of mess that's come through the fintech community. And 
you know, rightfully so, you know, banks are concerned about that liability in addition to like, how do you manage the risk of these fintechers in addition to the risk of cannabis? And so um, we were able to actually prove that process out, show them like we are doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. And actually, when they saw that product, they were like, can you have that? Um, so <laughs> it's it's true that um, we've been called Verifin on steroids in our back office. But frankly, that was really just built for me so that I could effectively, efficiently, and at scale, be able to manage our compliance obligations for, you know, running a completely compliant um, cannabis banking slash payments program. Um, we don't specifically do the banking. We actually would prefer for people to have their own bank. Um, it's better for them because you should always know where your funds are custody. But with our, the way that we have set this up, we are following money transmitter law. Um, so in all the states where we're required to have our money transmitter laws, we're going to have them before we do operations because that's how we do. Um, and then with respect to our, our team, you know, we're actually financial professionals for the most part. Um, we all have very personal cannabis stories. Mine is very personal. I am a cannabis patient. Um, that's actually how I got into the cannabis industry is I saw all of the crazy, crazy things that were going on in financial space for the cannabis industry and was genuinely concerned that it was going to derail the legalization process. Um, because frankly, you have protection at the state level for your cannabis business, yes, but you don't have protection if it turns out that your financial providers were either money laundering or committing financial fraud or bank fraud or um, different types of, frankly, financial fraud in order to access a system that they have not gotten clearance from the from the gatekeepers of that system, from the, the folks who own it, um, that they're willing to work with cannabis and take on that risk. So we have been completely upfront. Um, we have been completely transparent. Our financial relationships, actually, we're transparent about those as well. We have a, a public partnership with Radius Bank, um, a nice Massachusetts institution that's very fintech forward. Um, mm. Very smart, um, very smart people. We're very excited about that. Um, and uh, we're able to provide our services really um, with a federally, federally chartered financial institution backing our product, providing the processing services and providing the custody of those assets. So you know where your funds are. Right. And that's fantastic. And of course, in this day and age, everything's done. You know, everybody walks around with this little handheld computer and connects yeah. with the world. And, and that's, that's what we all do, right? It's how it's it works. Easy. It's, it, <laughs> it makes your life so much easier. And, and you know, this is also contactless in a, in a space where actually your cards right. really aren't. Right. I mean, when you're going in and you're pressing buttons on these things or you're like, how dirty do those ATMs look? How dirty do do the processing equipment for card processing look? It's just kind of, they've always been gross, frankly. Yeah, well, we've, um, we've all become a, a country of germaphobes uh, yeah. and for a reason, and we all understand that reason. Um, but there are some certain extents that many of us go to. And yes, I wash my hands pretty much every time I use my ATM card or any other card. Yeah. And I also pump gas with a glove on for the first time in my life too. Even <laughs> And actually, I, I really appreciate that because I hated the smell when you got the gas on your fingers and all that. It was just, you know, I don't need to go there. Um, yeah. You mentioned Sorry, something. Sir, sir Keanu decided he had to come back and make another cameo. Well, as long as Keanu doesn't, you know, have to go out or anything in the middle of the interview, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And now uh, we he wants to talk to you, Jimmy. He's excited to meet you. Well, I'm no Doctor Doolittle, but uh, I do have that ability to to chat with uh, other 
animals. And I certainly, as a talk show host, by the way, I pretty much talk to anybody, including the, including Keanu. Oh, you're so cute. Does, <laughs> does Keanu speak? Does Keanu speak? We don't no. need him. I didn't ask you to say that's fine too. He's I do want to. I, well, I wouldn't be familiar with that one. Let's just say I'm the weak, loud type, and I like to run. Anyway, I want to talk to you a little bit about something you mentioned. You mentioned the Cole Memo, and I'm very familiar with the Cole Memo yes. because I literally just wrote a, a blog about the challenges in the cannabis space in the social media space because we, too, have been subject to censorship by Facebook and by YouTube for two pieces of content that we've put out there. And actually everybody keeps telling me, only two? You're doing pretty well, right? Um, but it was the fact that that Cole memo got rescinded and gave Jeff Sessions, you know, like, hey, we're going after, we're gonna, you know, take down those local cannabis co country uh, companies in those legal states. You know, kind of showing his federal whatever it was, uh, moxie, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, there's a few other things I could call it, but I'm going to leave that alone for now. But the bottom line is it freaked a lot of businesses out that were taking yeah. money from the cannabis space. And it was specifically the banking. And it was no, it was no coincidence that YouTube, four months after that memo was released or rescinded, if you will, um, they took down, YouTube took down all the money-making cannabis programming and content that they had. They were afraid of it. They took it all down. No notice. No, and by the way, it happened to coincide with the uh, first podcast that I was looking to put out onto YouTube. And I was yeah. told not to. So I did it. <laughs> but it, it is an amazing thing to me to hear about artificial intelligence is making decisions on content based on certain words and oh, yes and those words aren't alcohol or opioids they are cannabis and marijuana and i mean that's a plant isn't it and th this is the thing that freaks me out about this whole thing it's still uh, uh, scheduled as a schedule one as a drug it's treated as a drug because that's what for 80 years of propaganda, everybody told you it was. It's a medicinal plant more than anything else, and it's been around longer than any of our laws. And this is the, the, the facts that are coming to the surface now. And while you have an anecdotal story, and I'm going to ask you about that to tell us your cannabis story in a minute, it, it still bugs me as someone who is trying to do the right thing and educate the public about this plant and look at the various science and research that is now supporting this green wave that continues to move. It's frustrating though. It really is. We're still at the very beginning. So we really do have this obligation of telling the stories of those that are in the cannabis industry. And you know, that's why I started this company. And that's why I enjoy meeting people like yourself and others, similarly minded uh, people who understand. And I also see in this industry, everybody is very passionate about this cause. And I think that does go to your reasons um, tell us a little bit about what happened to you and how you ended up using cannabis in, instead of, I'm going to guess, painkillers. Well, um, yes, that's true. Um, so I have a condition um, called complex regional pain syndrome type 2. Um, it is a very, very nasty neuropathic type of pain. Um, it is uh, peripherally located for me. It's in my left leg. It is as a result of an injury that I sustained when I was 23 
Um, I ended up with compartment syndrome. I nearly died. Um, it was a very long road to hoe and it both disabled me in my left leg, um, gave me substantial weakness. I had a lot of muscle death in my lower leg. Um, I had to have a host of surgeries to be able to walk again. Um, I am incredibly grateful for where I am now. And it's true that cannabis changed my life. Um, I had been living with this condition and barely getting by for, you know, a very long time. And uh, they tried all kinds of medications. Um, they tried all kinds of, uh, of treatments for me, um, you know, went so far as to have, you know, neurosurgical releases, some of which were successful, some of which were not. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I tried just about everything. And finally, you know, I, my father is a neurologist and he told me, um, he sat me down and he said, Ashley, why haven't you tried cannabis? The studies aren't just promising. The metadata is actually conclusive that it works for neuropathic pain. So you should try cannabis. And the truth is I had never even thought about it. Um, you know, again, I am a Southerner. Um, it's not that I have anything against it. Don't care, frankly. I'm sort of a libertarian. Anything you do in private is your own business, um, as long as it's no harm to other people. So I don't, I didn't care whether other people did it or not, but I was one of those like, well, I don't take Advil for headaches. You know, why would I take weed for pain? You know, like, why would I engage in weed? at all, right? You know, it's an illegal drug, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, and I, you know, honestly, I was like, you know what, what if I got to lose? What if I got to lose? I've been dealing with this for over a decade. And, you know, I have not had any real relief. And it's impacted my life so severely. Um, that I, you know, like, what if I got to lose? And so I tried it. And after 11 years, I was pain free for the first time. And it took you 11 years to get there. It wasn't one of those magical stories that you rubbed no. on some magic potion and the pain went away. There was a... But you, it you, did. Yeah, I mean, well, that was what was magical about it. Like, right. I can dose, like, once every 24 hours, and actually it gives me enough pain-relieving benefit that it's been a complete game-changer for me. It has made wow. my life so much better. Wow. wow and, that, I mean, like, it was a... It was a very challenging time for me. And... Um, and, you know, that's a very personal story. And it became very clear to me, you know, like, yes, there's been a lot of awful propaganda against the use of this plant. Um, it was completely dataless. Right. It was fear mongering. And, you know, the good news is that we do have channels now to actually get that information out to people in a way that they can easily digest that, hey, they, and Almost everybody that I know in the cannabis industry is has some similar story like um, they use it for post-traumatic stress disorder or they, it doesn't work for me on that one. But <laughs> but um, honestly, like just the just the ability to sleep again right. for all of the other medications that I had been on, which all of them have side effects that right. are just really difficult to cope with from from gastrointestinal issues to um, exhaustion to um, insomnia. I, I mean, you just, they take a real toll on your health. And actually with cannabis, I was able to reduce some of those. I was able to come off some of them. Some of them I'll be on forever. And that's just kind of how that goes. But, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to even change regimens by um, using cannabis to help me um, with the with the um, withdrawal symptoms that you do have from regular medications. Right. 
um, these totally legal sources. And yes, I mean, of course, I was on opioids for a number of years there and took myself off of them because, frankly, they don't work for pain. They just knock you out. Right. That's, a lot of people say that exact same thing. And I've heard that story, not specifically about that compartment pain that you've had to go through, but yeah. uh, whatever the ailment is, and they end up on opioids, and especially in the sports world, lots of athletes have gone through this. And that's why you're seeing a lot of athletes, ex-athletes that are in the cannabis space, because they recognize yeah. that this is this can help, you know, and they'd much rather, they'd much rather use THC-based plant material then yeah. take a Percocet or a Vicodin yeah. or whatever the team doctor wants them to take. Now I do want to go back to Dr. Dad here, the neurologist, right? <laughs> Cause I, I, I want to make sure I heard this right. It was a medical doctor and also a your father, a neurologist, and also your father who said, what the hell's so the matter with my daughter? Why don't you take some weed to help with your pain? I think that's yeah. a great story. And by the way, very rare, as you know, in the medical community. He's my father. He saw me struggling. He knew that this was right. something that could help. Now, it's true that the um, the studies that were coming out at the time that he told me about it, and he was reading about them in his um, continuing medical education, and that's actually where he came up with the idea for it, because it's not the kind of thing that I think on the East Coast um, – the doctors have been conditioned to look for drug-seeking behavior in a way that um, makes them uh, concerned about being able to provide this. But the other thing about it is actually the DEA threatens to take away, um, well, there is the underlying threat that they could take away your prescriber's license right. if you do recommend it. So if a patient comes to you and says, can I use cannabis for this? You know, the doctors typically tell you yes, and actually it's a good idea, um, but they cannot tell you to use it. Now, my, my father, of course, is not my doctor. Right. <laughs> Sometimes he thinks he is. That's right. Um, but, <laughs> but he had followed my condition and, you know, frankly, he had been instrumental to um, trying to get me adequate treatment, just seeing how impactful it had been on my life and how, how much it had altered the trajectory of my life. Um, I mean, this happened when I was 23. Uh, right. I had to pay off medical debt before I could go to law school. You know, like this is, <laughs> this is, um, it's been very impactful. And, um, you know, in some ways I'm grateful for it because I have a wonderful job and a wonderful opportunity to help the world in a way that is um, instrumental to making sure that legalization goes through and that people can have access to this. Because frankly, without financial infrastructure, no business is capable of surviving. No business. <laughs> Thank and you for businesses. That I mean, you're not going to get these these medications. Right. Thank, thank you for reminding about me about that too, by the way, because yeah. I, I, I certainly understand that. And, you know, we too um, suffered the closing of a business account by a bank. Um, I, 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 it happens. Well, no, it, it was so funny. There, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Kushko. Nick Kovacevic is the CEO of this company. It's a publicly traded company. And he and I did this interview and it was a great interview. And it is available, by the way, on all the PCM social media outlets. Um, but we, we talked about uh, having the banks shut down your account. And of course, you know, I, it happened to me once. <laughs> it happened yeah. in Nick's company six times. And I said, oh, you God, you make me feel so much better. But I, I felt like I, I broke my cannabis business cherry by having my bank shut me down, right? Because it's yeah. like, hey, you're a cannabis business. We can't do business with you. 
and off you go to the credit union world, which is where I am, and they offer plenty of services. And now that I have, now that I know about Venmo for cannabis, I mean, you know, this is this makes it so much so much better on so many fronts. Um, I, I do want to go back to your two partners because I know there are other people on your team. Tell me a little bit about them and how you guys all came together to create this product. Sure thing. So I'm going to start with Phil because he was the first addition to my team. Um, he's our chief technology officer. He um, has a last okay. name. What's his Laser. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, no, that's all right. I'm just, I know that happens a lot because your friend, you know, you're, you have that relationship. So that's exactly right. I'll right. be like, Phil oh, Glaze. Phil. And they'll be like, Dr. Phil. And I'll be like, no, 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 no. Phil Glaze. <laughs> I get it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, and he's wonderful. Um, you know, he's a, he's a seasoned, um, he's a seasoned engineer. Um, he, he was an old school IBMer, you know, was doing um, contracts for the Department of Defense and the FBI during the 80s. And, you know, he, he's a, an incredible technical talent. He um, he heads our technical team there. Um, he, um, you know, designed systems for Bank of America and Wells Fargo. So, like, he's a he knows how um, the banking systems, uh, the internal IT infrastructure is set up. Um, and then he's also, you know, very passionate about fintech and about, you know, moving things forward um, in terms of the infrastructure that is available to financial institutions, which is another place that I'm very passionate about as well, um, because actually our infrastructure in the United States um, with respect to our financial infrastructure is uh, obsolete. It is obsolete. I mean, you've seen the rest of the world actually already shift over um, to other systems and the systems in the United States are still COBOL based. And um, that's a, a type of coding language that actually isn't even taught anymore. Wow. It's not. And those engineers are retiring. So they have nobody to even service the systems that are like over 50 years old. Um, wow. you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, that's a, that's an infrastructure that basically has a, a limited lifespan. Um, isn't, wasn't really particularly scale. I mean, at the time, of course it felt very scalable because everything felt really cool. You right. know, when we started doing, um, infrastructural transaction systems, but, um, now, when you take a look at them, they're just they're not forward looking. And, you know, our team has been able to skate to where the puck's going to be in addition to backward integrating into U.S. banking. Um, so we have been very, very smart about the way that we have approached that. And uh, actually, as a result of that, um, we are up for uh, we are finalists for award <laughs> for awards with uh, Benzinga on their fintech award program nice. um, for um, let's see. Best payments app and uh, best use of blockchain. Wow, there you um, go. And we're not Stop. a cryptocurrency. Not a cryptocurrency. That's good, and I appreciate no. that. But I do be, look. First of all, you made a great sports analogy. Second of all, um, explain yes. blockchain to those who may not be familiar with how it works. Okay, so blockchain is a mechanism of transmitting data. So it's a it's really a coding and encryption. Mm -hmm. um, function. So blockchain is, is a wonderful um, technology for, um, for a lot of things, but in particular, when you start talking about um, tracking infrastructure, um, and what you're able to do with that is uh, you, it, it's decentralized in some cases, it's not decentralized in others. So mm -hmm. um, you can have it be, you know, infinitely scalable through the decentralization process, or you can also keep it pretty tightly focused with a centralized process. Um, and I'll explain a difference there. So, for example, Bitcoin is decentralized in its, I mean, it, it's very concentrated. <laughs> People are 
who are familiar with cryptocurrencies will know what I'm talking about. Um, but Bitcoin has, um, you know, centralized processing, but it's still decentralized. Whereas, for example, um, uh, excuse me, Hyperledger. Um, Hyperledger is a company that actually um, provides, you know, ledger-based systems, but it's still encrypted in a way that is very, very difficult to break into. Um, and it's impossible actually to change after the fact. So one of the things that's really nice about blockchain is that when you bring in um, the encryption and you bring in the um, no alterations post-transaction, if the data that is going into the system is taken directly from the source data, like for example, at the source of the transaction, like what we're doing, mm -hmm. um, then basically you have a perfect record of what occurred an immutable record so like the days of cooking books are over kind of thing well that's just no that's a, that's good um and also you know you mentioned about cobalt based coding and how our systems are obsolete i'm guessing that the security the cyber security um has to be so intense yes. that you feel very comfortable uh creating something like this, right? I mean, that's- We're that's, a financial institution. Yeah, we're not, you have we're to not be, skirting right. the rules on that either. You know, frankly, we have been SOC tested, penetration tested. Um, we have policies for breaches. Um, we are hoping that we never have them, but we go through high levels of encryption at any sort of place where we might have vulnerabilities. Um, and that is not easy to do. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're doing our best, but we are trying to use financial institution level in, you know, encryption and security processes, uh, which are really required by law. Right. They're required. Um, and it's something that, you know, if you have any sort of a software-based system, you should be paying attention to your cybersecurity because everything can be hacked. Right. Everything oh, can be. And, 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 usually, and usually not by people from this country, I might add. No. Uh, well, infrequently. It happens, though. I mean, you take a look at the kid from, from Florida that ended up hacking everybody's Twitter accounts, like all of these famous people's Twitter accounts, um, and trying to get people to send him Bitcoin. I mean, like, that was kind of... Uh, I mean, I mean, it, it happens. That That is my point. My point is that it, it happens even in this country. There's a lot of very talented um, folks out there who don't have enough to do. <laughs> and so they... <laughs> And so they mess around on computers and figure out ways to break into your systems. And they are very, very talented, unfortunately. You so, you, you know, blockchain is a, is a nice way to try to hedge against that. Um, but I mean, the other thing about it that's really nice, because um, it doesn't, it's a record keeping mechanism um, that basically makes it almost impossible to have corporate governance issues. Um, and that's something that uh, people should also pay attention to because you want to you want to know that the companies that you're working with are on the up and up that they're that they're operating legitimately and that they're not doing anything that's going to you know make it so that whatever they're providing isn't sustainable. And frankly, you've got cannabis that's regulated, you've got finance that's regulated. Um, so that's like a hyper level of regulation. Like it's it's a lot. Um, and so you have to manage both sides of that. And um, you know encryption helps you make sure that everything is on the up and up, like, uh, sorry, blockchain, encryption protects you. Blockchain, the way that that coding is done, um, helps protect you against um, somebody, you know, not fully disclosing everything. Gotcha. Um, and it's encrypted, so you yep. still have to have the keys to be able to get access to that data. Mm -hmm. It's not just like posted on the internet, um, but 
the fact is you can actually go back and review that and nobody can change the record. So when you start talking about auditability, when you start talking about transparency, you can't do much better right now than blockchain-based systems. I mean, they're fantastic. That's happening. Okay, well, I, I want to talk about my CEO. That's the next. That's the next one. I know. I was. I knew who you had. Go ahead. Tell me about your CEO. What's his full name? <laughs> Stephen Gonzalez. And okay. Absolutely brilliant. Just a wonderful guy. He's actually originally from the South Bronx projects. He's New Yorican. He's Puerto Rican um, from New York. I know a few people from the South Bronx. What a shock, right? I mean, we all know people from the South Bronx. Go ahead. And there's some really cool people. He's a wonderful person. Um, You know, he grew up in the South Bronx in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, a lot of his people were running from the popo um, over possession charges. You know, and, you know, he saw a number of his neighbors actually go to prison um, for distribution of cannabis. And, um, they're kids. They're they're young men. They're you know 14, 20. Like these are kids, and their lives are being completely thrown away in that way. And so this is a very personal story for him as well. Um, I'll let him tell you the full story another time. But um, you know, frankly, he has had to deal with the brunt of a lot of this stuff. Like his community has had to deal with the brunt of a lot of the the war on drugs, and uh, frankly, the opportunity to take care of this and make sure that legalization went through. Because again, you know, you don't get a, um, you're not going to get a hall pass for money laundering or financial fraud. That that's, it, right. it goes to national security. So they can't do that. It's, it's not like cannabis where you can get a state hall pass. <laughs> right. From, from that's a great analogy. Right. Doesn't work, doesn't work that way. These are these are genuine federal crimes that go to national security and go to to protecting our country to to um, counter you know basically trying to counteract um, terrorist financing. I mean it's it's really important stuff. Um, so you can't you can't expect a hall pass on that. You, you won't get one. Right. <laughs> um, right. But so so he grew up in that environment and he was really smart, was identified um, as a good candidate to um, get a, a minority scholarship to Exeter. And so that, it changed his life, um, you know, um, and he went to Exeter, he went to Trinity College in, in Connecticut. Um, NESCAC, you know, NESCAC, yeah. New England Small College Athletic Conference, Tufts University, my <laughs> alma mater. I always give him a plug when I can. And Trinity's cool too. I played against Trinity. Oh, my God. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) It was a long freaking time ago, okay? Yeah. Um, And he's got an MBA from uh, USC. Uh, Again, he was was part of, um, and I forget the name of the program, but it's another one that identifies minority talent and actually had, you know, he had scholarships the whole way. This is is a guy with an incredible story, an incredible backstory, and, you know, has had, has seen the upfront and personal he has seen the impact of the war on drugs and you know he's just a wonderful guy just a really great guy and really smart um he did investment banking for a number of years and after that um and after that uh he uh he became like the eighth employee first adult in the room um chief operating officer chief financial officer of this really cool um at the time startup Mm -hmm. deviant art Okay. Which is which is consumer generated or sorry not consumer user generated content, um, for for example um, comic book art. Yeah. So 
how do you monetize comic book art when you're a, when you're an artist, you're a graphic artist, um, people are interested in your designs. This was one of the first marketplaces and one of the most well-known marketplaces to be able to pick up independent art from graphic artists. Um, and for them to be able to monetize that and be able to actually sell that to the public. And so really, really fantastic organization. They um, they were purchased by Wix.com a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, you know, Steve started looking for a new project, got interested in this space. And actually, um, you know, he and I met at a conference um, where I was speaking on the challenges of banking cannabis on how to do it legally and, you know, what you really needed to watch out for, because I'm, I'm very action oriented. I'm not going to give you the, well, it depends answer. I'm going to give you like, this is the safest way to do this kind of answer. Um, and I was working on my project, which, you know, was how do you bring the compliance and the transaction together, unify that so that it's not such a cost burden. Um, he was working on the user interface side of the digital wallet to make it really, really attractive and, you know, very engaging for consumers and something that could be a really um, a fun app for for cannabis users to actually um, also generate content, you know, be able to talk with one another about these things in a safe space that um, was not going to necessarily, you know, it's artery pay. It's not cannabis pay. You know, like right. this is not going to out people because people can be very private about their health issues. Um, right. I was actually until I engaged in this project and realized that, you know, I needed to actually be forthcoming about my own condition and, and things like that and how this has helped me because people just need to know. Um, and so. Does that help you? I'm, I'm going to guess that that has given you um, a, a center of confidence uh, and a much more better feeling about just who you are and what you've gone through. You're more comfortable with it now, right? Yes. I mean, actually talking about these things helps you go through right. them. Yes, they do. Um, and it's, it's hard because, yes, there's always going to be people who are going to judge you. That's going to happen. Yes. But I, you know, like it's, you just kind of have to move past it and live your best life and be who you are. And frankly, I don't actually have anything to hide. I mean, yes, other yes. than the fact that I use cannabis for pain management, I'm so uninteresting. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I tell you what, you've been extremely interesting and I've enjoyed uh, chatting with you. How does it make money? Are you taking a percentage on every transaction? Is that how it's working? This is free to the customer. So the customer is not being charged anything. It's just like Venmo in that way. Um, For the merchants, yes, we are taking a percentage of the transaction, um, but we're using normal square rates. Like we're we're not doing high risk rates. Um, I have some opinions about high risk rates. I think that they, they actually incentivize people to hide what they're doing. And so we wanted to be, you know, helpful and upfront and sustainable. And, you know, these are small businesses. They're not able to afford 6 to 12% on the transaction processing fee. So we're looking at like a 2.9% and 30 cents, something like that, 3%, somewhere in that range. Okay. And um, are we ready to go? Is it, are you ready to bring this to market? Where are you in the stage of uh, a startup world? Yes. So actually, our partnerships are in place. We are launching some pilot programs that are coming in Massachusetts with some of the dispensaries there. Um, I cannot tell you exactly who they are right now, but there is one in the Rockwood area that we are we are talking with. There is one that has um, a store in Orange and a store in um 
Oh my goodness. Well, we can do the math and do the- uh, I've forgotten the name the, of it, but it has a couple I, of stores. Yep. So um, you will be able to try out Artery Pay very soon. We believe that those programs are gonna be launching in the next couple of weeks, probably before Thanksgiving. Um, also, if you guys wanna come and talk to me, I'm actually going to be at the um, NCIA Canavest um, thing that's going to be happening. Uh, they're doing a, a cyber summit. Uh, right. I'm speaking on cannabis payments and banking. Um, well, speaking, they, they recorded it. They recorded it a little bit early for me. So you'll see me be a little bit, um, uh, <laughs> this is funny. Um, uh, I'm a little bit less on point. Um, okay. I had had one cup of coffee, but was also, um, had not had my second. So it was a little bit early for me. <laughs> now, you know that that drug, caffeine, is a drug. And we're talking about a plant. Right. And I always use that example when I talk to parents of kids and they all oh, cannabis, you know, that's illegal that you're going to end up going to different things and you're going to be, you know, homeless before you know it. And I'm like, it's well, a I plan. Hope they recognize that I'm not homeless. You're not homeless. And a matter of no. fact, they're starting to realize there are actually a lot of very successful, smart people who oh, have used goodness. it their whole lives to enhance I, their lives. It's about responsible people. But like, frankly, um, a lot of lawyers use cannabis and frankly <laughs> we are so the ones that use alcohol tend to lose their relationships and the ones that use cannabis right. are actually able to be functioning human beings outside of work wow I mean, what a novel approach i love that uh, i mean it's very funny it's something that you encountered a lot um and you know it it's a good thing it, it's helpful especially for people who need to like for example for sleep right i think oh, no, 100%. One of the big problems uh, for you know parents, for example, is that they don't get enough sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And when you do sleep, it's fitful, you know, because like there's noises going, and so you're always exhausted. And what's really fantastic to me is that indica strains, indica strains mm -hmm. can help you shut your brain off, and even short sleeps become more productive, so that you wake up rested. Right. You wake up feeling better and ready to go the next day. Yeah. Um, so I have found it to be incredibly helpful to interrupt that. I'm worrying about not sleeping. Okay, I'm not sleeping, so I'm going to be in more pain tomorrow. Oh, now I've thought about my pain, so now I am in more pain because I'm not sleeping and I'm getting myself agitated. Yeah. So for me, I think that right. even just sleeping um, helps to interrupt that pain cycle, right. which just spirals. Right. It just and, spirals. It, and, and sleep... Your body and your brain heal when it's relaxed and sleeping. So all that's cool. All right. Hey, look, we've got to wrap this up. Look, Ashley, you and I could probably talk for another hour. You know that, right? <laughs> and, Keen, and we have one more uh, cameo by your dog, perhaps. Keen, is Kino there? Where is he? Keanu, where is he? Keanu, where is he? There he is. Okay. All right. So, so anyway, Ashley, uh, the, the company is Artery Pay, arterypay.com. It's there. Yes. You can find, you can certainly see Ashley and her two partners there. And yes. it explains what it's all about. And there is a contact button as well. But I just want to thank you again and wish you guys the best of luck. I expect we will be talking with you again. And also, um, I just want to say, Thank you for taking the time to listen to my story, too, because a lot of people like to tune that out sometimes. And I appreciate the fact that you're a good listener, too. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for your time, Jimmy. I really enjoyed it. This has been wonderful. And, you know, um, we're very excited to support In the Weeds and um, 
and really enjoyed being on your podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Ashley Elsner from arteriepay.com. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. I'm Jimmy Young from In the Weeds and the founder of Pro Cannabis Media. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We Talk Now, We Talk News, and In the Weeds are all available on most major podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our friends at clnsmedia.com and our flagship, cannabis.net. So subscribe, share, and like our videos on all the social media networks out there, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Weed Tube, and YouTube. Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area. Now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. We are Pro Cannabis Media.